Chag Sameach, everyone, and a good Yom Tov. I am aware that a year and a half ago, the opening words of this sermon would have barely caught your attention. But such is the time we are living in, so here goes. In most major religions, there is a tradition of traveling. Now, not to Miami Beach or a Caribbean island, but a tradition of leaving home on some religious purpose and religious destination. And this shouldn't be surprising to us. After all, the beginnings of the Jewish story is the story of journey, of Abraham leaving home and hearth, of Jacob departing, of Joseph being sent away, of Moses leaving, then returning, and then leaving again. On a larger scale, it moves from the stories of people leaving to the story of a people leaving, of departing Egypt towards national redemption. But now seems the right moment to ask, what is it about being in motion, of being what you know and heading to some unknown destination in future that was so alluring, so powerful to the story of religions throughout the world? These are the stories of shedding the people you know, the language you speak, the food and sounds that are comfort and second nature to you and stepping into the very opposite of all that. I don't know if you've ever done that, where you stepped outside and burst your bubble. I have, and I know firsthand that when you do it, you find excitement and fear and courage and uncertainty because it is always the unknown that holds a key to something we have yet to discover in ourselves. And as I say these words, perhaps I also find that they are the answers as to why our story is filled with journey. Because to live life, to truly live life, it's not anything that is given to you. It's not something that is directly in front of you. They're ready for the taking, no. So to find your life, you have to set out and search for it. It is knowing meaningfulness it is not a destination, but a byproduct of the intensity of the search, of knowing every journey such as this is always incomplete. And yet the words of the writer Tolkien rings true to us, that not all those who wander are lost. The religious journey teaches us we search, but we are never lost. And like all journeys, as we return home when it is over, both something comes to life and also dies within us. We know that we will never take that journey again, and yet we know that we are forever changed by it. Amongst our Muslim brothers and sisters, there is the obligation of what, what they call the Hajj. You'd be right if you heard the word Chag in Hajj. The Hebrew word is the root of that Arabic word. The Hajj is a pilgrimage where every Muslim is obligated to take in their lifetime to visit the city of Mecca, to walk in the steps of their prophet Muhammad. In a similar way amongst our Christian sisters and brothers, there is a call to make pilgrimage to the Holy Land, to walk the stations of the Via Della Rosa in Jerusalem's old city, to visit the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, to walk along the shores of the Sea of Galilee and into the waters of the Jordan River. But understand the call to journey to a place is rooted in that they are seen as the sources of their beginning, 
And by visiting him, it is believed that something of that past strength will visit them in the present. And if you've seen the devotion and piety of people visiting these places, you know exactly what it is that I speak of. But for us, for the Jews, it's different. It seems wrong to say that Jews were slaves in Egypt or that Abraham the Jew left Mesopotamia for the land of Canaan. Just as it is wrong, I think, to say that Jacob the Jew manipulated his brother's birthright or wandered back to Mesopotamia because Jacob is never called a Jew in the Bible. He's called Yisrael. He's called Israel. Abraham is never called a Jew. He is called Ha'ivri, Abraham the Hebrew. The people who, in the face of violent, desperate famine, who descended from Canaan south to Egypt were not Jews. They were called B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel. They were a tribe, they were a family, but they were not a nation nor a religion. On this holiday of Shavuot, we mark the movement of tribe to nation, from genetics to faith. This happens when Egypt is left. The ancient rabbis imagined the parting of the Red Sea as something like the birthing canal of a woman, that a new life, a new people emerges from it. Or those same rabbis said, perhaps it is like the very moment of the creation of the universe. When in the story of Genesis we read that the waters that floated on the surface of the earth were divided. Some were put up top, some were put deep down into the ocean. And in that space between the sky and the waters of the ocean, something physical and real was created. And weeks later, when they come to a small mountain, which is called different names in different times, sometimes it's called Choriv, sometimes Har Elohim, God's mountain, usually Sinai. And this tribe encounters something so transformative that lives within us to this very day. It is there that Judaism begins. And I wonder why is it given that in so many of the world's major religions that there is, but that in Judaism there is no mitzvah, there is no religious imperative to visit these places. There is no mitzvah to visit the shores of the Red Sea. Even more remarkably, there is no mitzvah to make a pilgrimage to Mount Sinai. More than that, we don't even know where it is. Which is to say that there is no tradition of people going back over and over again to the point where we know just where it is because people have been going there since the very beginning of the story. I mean if that if there was ever a place that was worthy of a pilgrimage, it certainly would be Mount Sinai. Meaning that we were brought there as our first destination was not into the land of Israel. It was there to this small scrabble of a mountain to receive God's message. So why shouldn't we not go back there? I would say it is because we know that you can't go back. The noted social scientist, German-Jewish refugee, Leo Strauss, who made his way to America in the 1930s, Strauss once said that, that the Jews are not a people of faith, they're a people of memory. The existence of memory is the belief that the past cannot go, be returned to. To say I remember is to say what I loved what I cared for, where I have been, what I have done, is no longer. I cannot go back. 
I cannot touch them. I cannot kiss them. To say I remember is to say that a journey traveled once cannot be the same journey traveled the second time. And yet it is to say that those past footsteps are not obliterated. It is to say they are not gone. It is to say death is not an end because I remember. The Jewish story is the story of not going back but advancing forward. We have done this in the face of torment and persecution, of collective and individual loss, of deep sacrifice and uncertain redemption, but the story calls us. It demands that we make our way ahead because the danger of going back is to believe that the story lives best there. But our faith says that the better story lives not behind us, but ahead of us. The only place where we may be commanded to make pilgrimage is inside of ourselves, to discover the untapped areas of our better, to deepen our understanding of what calls for me to be. And on this day, we remember our loved ones and we ask, what story did they carry that I am called to remember? Where does that story ask for me to go? And that is a pilgrimage which requires no air ticket. A number of years ago, a beloved member of this congregation, himself a survivor of the Shoah, passed away. He had been born in northern Hungary to devoted parents who saw what the war was soon to bring to them. With the Nazis soon at the doorstep, they gave each of their children train tickets to different cities, hoping that all or some or may even one might survive. Many didn't, including his parents. Included in his will was the bequest for him to be buried in Israel, and his children tried to argue with him to be interred here in Toronto. After all, they said, you know, Israel is quite a distance from here, and we won't be able to visit you very often, which in some ways, of course, is very true. But he said, you know, my parents were murdered in Auschwitz, and they have no burial place for me to go to. And yet I visit them every day. Yuska reminds us that the better journeys are the ones that lay ahead of us. <laughs>